Aloha. We're glad you've joined us for this Reunion Hawaii Church podcast. These teachings by our pastoral team are recorded live during our weekly services in Honolulu, Hawaii. We hope you will be blessed by this teaching. Man, I am so moved by the Lord. I kept seeing, like, just throughout worship, just alabaster jars broken at the feet of Jesus all across this room. And I can just, it was almost like I can just smell the sweet aroma and the delight of the Father over here. And I also, I also saw the Father embracing people and, and like getting a hold of people's hearts and like giving them a big old heart hug. And so get ready, because the Lord is giving you a big old heart hug tonight. <laughs> oh, man, I love Jesus. I often think about, um, for my own life, how, I, how the Father knows and knew before even the foundations of the earth that I will be in this point in time today, that I will be in the season that I am in today. Uh, none of it has been a surprise to him. He wasn't like, oh, he's here. What do we do about it now? <laughs> like, that, that was not the case with him. He knew um, I would be here in the season, this, the moment in time, and it's the same for you. He knew he would be exactly where you are today um, in life, in your walk with the Lord. And at any given time, all of us are either entering a new season, we're right in the middle of one, or we're getting ready to exit one to enter another one, right? But regardless of where you are in that process um, and in the season in your life, with the Lord, he knew you would be right here in this moment in time. And some seasons are great, right? I'm personally a summer guy. You know, I, I love the heat. I'll take the heat over the cold any day. <laughs> My wife, on the other hand, is the complete opposite. <laughs> she loves the snow, the cold, the cozy clothes, and all that stuff. And, you know, some seasons we love, some seasons, you know, we're not so much um, a fan of. But we all have um, seasons, and not just talking about weather, <laughs> but in life uh, that are hard and are, are difficult. And I feel like the, the term seasons in itself has been kind of like watered down these days. You know, uh, as to just mean like whatever you've been going through the last two weeks. <laughs> you know, um, and I think we often treat it that way because we're trying to rush through whatever season we're in, especially if we don't like it, if, right? Especially if we're not super thrilled and, and excited about it. Um, 
But the things about seasons in the natural, uh, you can't rush them. You know what I mean? Like, as much as I love to, I can't be like, man, I want winter to be two weeks this year. I'd be good with two weeks, right? Uh, especially if you live in Colorado like I used to live. <laughs> Here in Hawaii, it's a little bit different, right? We only got two seasons. Brown diamond head and green diamond head. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> but the, the natural speaks of the spiritual, right? And so whatever current season you're in in your life with the Lord, it is actually meant to connect you from your previous season onto the next one. And so whether you feel like this is a great season or the worst one of your life, there's a process that we, we, we just can't rush because it's meant to take you from your previous season to the next one. And that's the current season that, that you're in. And for today's talk, like, man, let me tell you, I am, everything that I am going to say to you, I am in, in right in the middle of it <laughs> with the Lord. Um, right in the middle of it. And I believe that every season in life requires an upgrade in our trust in him and in our surrender to him. And he's going to test how much you trust him. Because he knows that what he has for you, who you are becoming, where he is taking you, how he wants to grow you, All those things need for you and I to get an upgrade in our trust in him. It requires for us to no longer operate from that place of trust in him that we have gotten comfortable with. I remember we have, um, by the way, my name is Pablo. I'm one of the pastors here, you know, just introducing myself. I know we have new people in every week. But my wife and I have four, uh, four girls. And I remember, you know, all of them at some point had to learn how to walk, right? And so when my girls were little and it, and it came time for them to learn how to walk, they had to learn to trust me in that process, right? They had to learn to trust me as I'm sitting across from them, you know, crouching down with my arms extended towards them. They had to trust that you know, mom and dad were, were there. They were close. They were near. They were safe. And so in that process, they learned to trust Nina and I. You know, and at first it was one, one step, right? They fumble and stumble onto the next one. And then it's two, and then it's three. And before you know it, you know, it's several steps. And whether they realized it or not, they were learning how to trust us in that, in that moment, in that season. And so, of course, they, they've all gotten a little bit older, you know. And so, um, you know, when it came time, for example, for them to start uh, learning how to ride a bike, that, that was a, that's a new experience. And it's a new experience that requires a new level of trust. And so their level of trust in us was, was going to be challenged because it's no longer about being on your two feet. This is being on something else, right? Different environment, different, different thing. 
And so it will require for them to have a new level of trust in me. And so what they had learned as far as their level of trust in me from a previous season, a previous experience, AKA learning how to walk and everything in between, was now going to, to be challenged because that was meant to be a place where their trust in us was built from. We weren't starting from zero, right? These are places that we were getting to build trust and they were getting to build trust with us. And when, if you think about the story about, um, of Peter in the Bible, when he stepped out of the boat to walk towards Jesus on the water in the middle of the storm, he was getting an upgrade in his level of trust in Jesus. You know, he, he gets all the back rap for, you know, doubting and, you know, starting to sink. And, you know, he's infamous for that part of the story. But Peter saw Jesus and whether he realized it or not, the moment that he stepped out of that boat, he got to operate in a new level of trust in the Lord. Mind you, while the rest of the disciples were still in the boat, shaking in their boots, or sandals, whatever, whatever they had back then. And so, with the Lord, whose name is faithful, right? That is who he is. He is by nature trustworthy. The burden is not on him to prove himself trustworthy so that we can get a trust upgrade. But it is on us to choose to place something so precious like trust into the hands of the only one who is worthy of it every single time. So our walk with the Lord is one built in trust. We're trusting that he is who he says he is. We're trusting that he's done what he said he has, he has done. We're trusting that he is only good with his kids, right? So yes, our our yes to the Lord in every season, in every circumstance, in every situation has to have trust attached to it. And whether you knew it or not, he knows whether your yes to him actually has trust attached to it. But if you think about the relationship that Jesus had with the disciples, Everything that Jesus invited them into required trust. And more often than not, it required for them choosing to trust Jesus before they saw the outcome of it or what it would look like. Because when he said to each of them, follow me, that required a trust response. When he commissioned them and he would send them out and say, go and Raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons. That required trust. Everything that he taught them and commissioned them in required for them to respond in trust. And I don't know about you, but to me it seems like for most of their, rela their relationship, like they didn't really understand 
you know, what Jesus was talking about or what he was doing. But yet, they trusted him. There was something about Jesus that they found comfort in to give an undivided yes to. An undivided, I trust you, even if I don't know what it's going to, what it's going to look like. And so, I believe that our trust in him um, can't be determined by our level of understanding. Because if it is, then we might find ourselves actually not trusting him like we say we do. And how we respond shows our level of trust. Trust is actually the manifestation of a belief. And faith requires both, belief and trust. And we know from scripture that faith without works is dead. Which means that belief without trust is also death. If greater trust in the Lord is not the byproduct of our beliefs, then we might just have the wrong beliefs. If there's any area of our lives in our current seasons where we struggle to fully trust the Lord, that's likely an area where we lack surrender. Man, that was an ouch for me too. So if you are placed in a current season where you're having a hard time trusting the Lord, trusting where he's placing you, trusting his plans, his voice, his faithfulness, his goodness towards you, surrender is the key to the upgrade, to the level of trust that will carry you to that season. Because when we are walking through difficult things, we either react to our circumstances from fear or we respond to them from peace. So whether we react or respond to our current circumstances is actually a good indicator of where we stand. And so if we find ourselves fearfully reacting to our circumstances, filled with anxiety, even when we think about the things that we are going through, that's an opportunity for an upgrade. And an upgrade in the peace that surpasses understanding in the midst of the storm, it's not something that you earn. But it's a place that is available to us to abide in. Okay, now I'm going to start preaching. That was just the intro. That was the freebie. But I do want to talk to you about abiding in peace today. And I would, uh, I would venture to say that if I asked you to raise your hand if you have situations, circumstances in your life in this current season that are either challenging difficult or just really hard, 
you know, situations that by nature can bring up anxiety, fear, hopelessness, stress, doubt. I, I bet we were all raise our hands. And I felt this from the Lord for today specifically, and I want you, I want you to hear me when, you, when I say this. First of all, the Father sees you. He sees you right there where you're at. Right in the middle of that difficulty, right in the middle of that circumstance, right in the middle of the heartbreak, and he's right there with you. He's not ignoring it. He's with you. And guess what? He's got zero hopelessness about it. None. And so, you guys know this because you're really, really smart. But peace is not a feeling, but a person, right? And so when we abide in Jesus, we abide in peace. Because he is peace. John 14, 27. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Peace is a gift. He said to them, I am leaving this with you. He's given them a free gift, no strings attached. And then he tells them the purpose of that gift, and it was to protect their hearts. He knew that for the disciples and for every Christian thereafter, including you and I, things at times will be difficult. Things at times will be hard. There will be troubles. There will be sorrow, pain, things that we would go through. But he gave them and he gives us this gift, this assurance. And later in John 16, it says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Sam has mentioned in the last few weeks, um, and by the way, the, the past three weeks he talked about deliverance. If you haven't heard it, please go back and listen to that. It was so, so good. Um, but he's mentioned a few times how, and we all know this, how the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. So what part of being killed or stolen from or being destroyed brings comfort and peace to us? None of it, Right? In the second part of that verse, in John 10, it says, Jesus speaking, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came to give us life and gave it to us abundantly. And so I would propose that life and life abundantly includes an abiding place of peace. And in that abiding place of peace, we are untouchable. We're untouchable. Where the schemes of the enemy don't work. It's only when we choose to operate outside of that place that we get ourselves in trouble. 
I love that story of Jesus walking on water because in the story we see him as the embodiment of peace in the middle of the storm. And I doubt Jesus was like trying to get his footing, you know, as he's walking, you know. I bet he had a bit of an attitude walking towards the boat, you know. (laughs) Confidently. That's my Jesus. He's not scared of the storm or the waves. He was cruising over those. He was unfazed by the storm. And so when Peter steps out of the boat, not only did he get an upgrade in trust, but he also stepped into the realm, the place of peace that Jesus operated from all the time. And then moments later, when he steps out of that place of peace and into doubt and into fear, that's when he gets in trouble. But the invitation that Jesus had for him was to step into his realm, his operating system. We just read it that we will have troubles, right? So peace doesn't guarantee the the absence of trouble in our lives. No, no, to guarantee the outcome that we would want. But it does operate counter to the harm of any scheme that the enemy would want to put against you. I don't think you heard me. The peace of God operates counter to whatever the plans of the enemy are for your life. It's not just simply a defense mechanism. It operates in opposition from what the enemy wants to do in your life. And that's because the peace of God is not natural. That's right. And so it can't be replicated. It can't be copied. Anything that is not his peace is a counterfeit that ultimately is going to fail fall short of what we need. And so we can't settle for temporary peace, for man-made peace in, in any area of our lives where we aren't operating from his peace has an opportunity for an upgrade. Probably the most famous passage about peace is Philippians 4, right? Everybody knows it. You, can guys, you guys can all quote it because you all love the Bible. And... He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace that surpasses understanding requires us to give up the need to understand. Peace that surpasses understanding doesn't negate understanding. It doesn't cancel understanding. It's not void of understanding. But it doesn't allow understanding to be the reference point for peace. 
Like I said, peace, peace is not a feeling. It's not the absence of anxiety or fear, but the presence of a person. The Prince of Peace. His name is Jesus, and he is in the room. <laughs> that was one of the words that the Lord gave me for tonight. The Prince of Peace will be walking in the room. And I saw him walking through the aisles. So peace that surpasses understanding can't be a temporary place that we try to get to when we're in trouble. And avoidance doesn't equal peace. Avoiding suffering isn't the recipe for peace. <laughs> and here's what I love. The peace of God doesn't only surpass our understanding, your understanding, it surpasses the understanding of those watching you. When people watch you go through something, it actually bears testimony of the Prince of Peace. It actually causes others to want what you have, want what you carry. You know those moments where people are like, man, you should be freaking out right now. Like, you should be anxious. You should be fear They're like fearful for you almost, you know, because you're going through something tough and hard that by, you know, every stretch of imagination should be just filled with fear and anxiety. And you're like, no, I'm cool as a cucumber. They won't understand that. But that's an invitation to them. It bears witness to people when we abide in peace. And it would be expected for people that don't know the Prince of Peace, who don't know Jesus, to lack peace, right? But all too often, it's actually believers who lack peace. As if himself being peace and what that means for us is not as much of a reality as him being savior or healer or provider. It's not. He is just as much Prince of Peace as he is Savior, Healer, Provider, Almighty God, Wonderful Counselor. And so, what if peace becomes our permanent resting place? What if instead of us chasing a feeling of peace, we choose in every moment to remain in the one who is peace. Remain in Jesus. And the result of that will be that when difficult things come, trouble comes, and, and that was, it's a guarantee, it's coming. If it hasn't come already, if you're not in it now, it might be coming, okay? It likely coming. But in those moments, we actually possess a supernatural ability to remain in a place that is untouched by hopelessness, untouched by fear, untouched by anxiety. And untouched doesn't mean that you're not going to encounter those things. But it does make us unmovable 
from that place of confidence that we have in who he is, in his goodness. Peace doesn't just bring comfort to simply cover what we should be feeling in those moments and in difficult situations. But I believe that peace actually operates in opposition, counter to the hopelessness of every situation. Peace stands guard against the things that the enemy wants um, to use to bring those things into your life, to bring fear into your life, to bring anxiety into your life. And it stands guard. We just read it in Philippians 4. That it guards your heart and it guards your mind. Those are like the two main places we operate from. And we read it in Philippians 4 as well. That the key to abiding in peace is thanksgiving. The key to not give anxiety a place in our hearts, in our minds, is thanksgiving. Abiding in peace is simple. And it doesn't require striving, performing. But it does require for us to choose thanksgiving instead of complaining. Did you know that you can grieve something and be in complete peace at the same time? But it's only possible when the place we are abiding in is the person of peace. Is it possible to grieve something and at the same time be at peace? Or does it have to be one or the other, you know? I would propose that it's possible. That we can be grieved by a tough situation, a tough season in our lives, and at the same time remain in complete peace. And the thing with peace is that if for us it is a feeling then we will treat it as something that comes and goes depending on our circumstances, depending on our situations. Because that's what happens with every other feeling, right? They come and go, depending on the situations. And so then we will find ourselves only expecting that feeling of peace to happen when things are going well and when we don't have any grief to deal with and no sadness or frustration that would take away that feeling of peace. And as I was pondering that question, I, I couldn't immediately think about the story of Jesus and his friend uh, Lazarus. Because in this story... Jesus, knowing that that was not the end for Lazarus, grieved. It says that he wept with Lazarus' sisters. Like he met them right where they're at. 
And that's one of those, like, ooh, like, you know? Like, he knew that this wasn't the end. But yet, like, he, he was grieved. That was his friend. Someone, Scripture says, he loved. So, either the Prince of Peace is faking it, right? Either the Prince of Peace lost his peace in that moment, or he was able to walk through that moment of grief in perfect peace. Now, I believe the latter was true. That in that moment where he had every good reason to be sad, to be grieved, even to be anxious and fearful about his friend's death, he rather remains in a place of peace while grieving with those who had lost so much in that moment. You guys doing okay? This wasn't Jesus just like, hey, let me, uh, let me weep here in this situation so that we can like put it in the book and it'll look good. It'll make up, you know, for a good learning opportunity. No, this was a moment where he experiences loss, pain, sadness, grief, all while remaining in perfect peace and confidence in the Father's plan. And this wasn't the only instance where Jesus responded from that abiding place of peace in the Father. Because when there was a storm, he responded from that same place. When he encountered great need in people, he responded from the same place. When he encountered people's pain and suffering, he responded from the same place. When his own doubted him, when he had to deal with frustration, when people, when people rejected him, when the people wanted him dead, when he was deeply grieved, when everything that he did was in question, when he was falsely accused, when he was beaten and ultimately crucified. He responded to all those situations from that place, the same place of abiding. And so that begs the question, how do you and I respond to these things? Maybe no one's trying to kill you. But I bet you would say that you've either had or might be currently encountering some of these things. Rejection, frustration, grief, accusation. How, do, how, do our, how are we responding? Are we abiding in peace? Or are the current situations and circumstances that we are in filled with anxiety and fear? Jesus always, always responded from that abiding place of peace. There's a very interesting uh, passage in Luke that I believe the Lord wants to 
reveals some things to us about the tangible nature of peace. Uh, so this is Luke 10. This is where Jesus is sending out the 72 to go out and, and minister. And we pick up in verse 3 where it says, Go your way. Behold, I am sending you as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet, one another, uh, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. This is not simply a cultural greeting. Although it was common in Eastern culture to uh, greet one another with some form of, you know, peace be with you. But there are three things that the Lord showed me uh, in this passage that I want, want to share with you. Number one is that peace is transferable, but it needs a place to land. He said, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. There's a transfer that's taking place. Peace is transferable, but it's not forced. It requires a landing place in order to remain. That's why people who um, choose to give into a life of anxiety and fear about everything um, just get more of what they've chose to stay in, anxiety and fear. And we're talking about how Jesus equals peace, right? He is. So Jesus doesn't force himself on those who don't want him, and neither does his peace. Often people want the feeling of peace without the surrender to the person of peace. And so then that leads to people uh, who operate more as sons and daughters of anxiety and fear rather than sons and daughters of peace. Number two, there's increase for the level of peace that we carry. That's good news. Say amen. amen. <laughs> now, pastor says, if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. The son of peace in this passage gets, to, uh, gets even more peace, right? They're already a son of peace. And they get even more peace because of who they chose to be. That's awesome. The flip side of that is that just how peace attracts more peace, fear and anxiety attract more fear and anxiety. You know, like when you encounter people who, obviously not, nobody in this room, you guys are all perfect, full of peace. This is for the other people. But you know, when you encounter people who are just so gripped by anxiety and fear, 
that no matter how much peace you personally operate in, their constant state of anxiousness and fear cannot be changed, right? They're just anxious about everything, fearful about everything. Oh, but did you hear the news? Did you read this? That this is happening and blah, blah, blah. That's because anxiousness attracts more anxiousness. Fear attracts more fear. But peace attracts more peace. According to Galatians 5, peace is also a fruit of the Spirit. And fruit can be multiplied. So it is actually the life in the Spirit that attracts more peace. Because again, it's that connection to the source. The Spirit of God. Number three is that we can remain in peace even if the environment we are in lacks it. In the story, Jesus told them not to go from house to house. He didn't tell them, hey, only go to the house where you find the man of peace and stay there. No, no, he told them to stay in the same place regardless of it. And that was knowing that either peace was going to bring increase into the place that they stepped into, into the environment that they stepped into, or it would return to them. They always got to keep their peace regardless of the environment around them. And so, not only Jesus is empowering the 72 to complete the assignment, he's empowering them to operate the way that he did, even when it came to abiding in peace. And you know how you know when you have gotten an upgrade in peace? Is when you have been able to Remain in that place versus how you used to respond to the same kind of situations. I'm, I'm right there in this season. Anybody else? <laughs> I'm experiencing that in this season where this, there are situations and circumstances in my life that previously would have spiraled me. Right? Into anxiety, into fear, into hopelessness. But yet I find myself not wanting to allow circumstances to dictate my response. And choose to remain in the person of peace instead. It is tangible. And I believe there's an upgrade for you in peace. And I'm prophesying that's, how you, that, that's what you're going to experience. Yeah, I'm going to prophesy that whatever circumstances come your way, even if it's familiar, even if, if there's situations and circumstances that 
in the past, you're like, oh man, this, this always comes with fear. This always comes with anxiety. This always comes with hopelessness. No more in Jesus' name. That you would abide in the place of peace. That you would be unmovable, unshakable. Because you choose to remain in the person of peace. You choose to remain in Jesus. Lord, let us be the people that remain in peace. Let, let us be the people who are unmovable. Colossians 3.15 says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Hey, there's Thanksgiving again. It says that we have to let his peace rule our hearts. Whatever has lordship over our hearts will rule it. To rule something, um, you must have lordship over it. Does that make sense? Because whatever has lordship has authority to rule. And so if fear and anxiety and hopelessness have lordship over your heart, they have the authority to rule over it, to keep you there. That's why it says that we must let the peace of God rule, the peace of Christ rule. We must let it have authority in our hearts. Romans 8, 6, it says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. So the questions then become, what's ruling my heart? And what's my mind set on? That's what these two passages are talking about. What's ruling my heart and what's my mind set on? It's my mind set on the spirit because the byproduct of that is life and peace. What is it set on the flesh? Is it set on my circumstances and the situations around me? The things that are falling apart? The news of the day? Let me tell you, that's full of death. I love, uh, I love Graham Cook, and he said this. We don't get to determine what season is good and bad. There's a grace in suffering seasons like there's a grace in enjoying seasons. And sometimes seasons are both. The truth is that we get to let the peace of God rule our hearts in every season, in every circumstance, in every situation. We get to do that. And we get to set our minds on Him. 
set our minds on the spirit, where life and peace come from. Would you guys stand with me? Like I said at the beginning, I felt like the Lord was giving hard tugs tonight. I feel like there's people in the room that you need to hear that he sees you right where you are. And that he's a good father who longs to cover you, who longs to hold you, who longs to protect you. who's actually given you a place in Jesus for you to live in. It's like he's saying, hey, I, I got this giant house for you. It's got everything you need. You don't have to worry about circumstances and hard things. Like, just move in. Choose to abide in that place. The invitation is there. It's free, but you have to choose it. And so if you will close your eyes, I want, I want us to take a, uh, a minute or two. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what rules in my heart? Holy Spirit, where is my mind set on? Is my mind set on circumstances and situations and challenges and tough things that I'm going through? I just thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking to us, for revealing yourself to us. I thank you that in your kindness, in your kindness, you are showing to us right now the things that are ruling over our hearts, the things that we have set our minds on. I'm going to give you a few more moments until you feel like you, you got something. Some of you already do. Some of you have already have several things. But we are going, what we're going to do is we're going to repent for letting anything else rule over our hearts but the peace of Christ. And for allowing any of our thoughts and our mind to be set on anything but the Spirit of God where life and peace flows from. I want to remind you that there's no condemnation in Christ. 
that the Holy Spirit convicts you of, right, of your righteousness. So I say guilt and shame, you must leave now in the name of Jesus. These are sons and daughters of the king who are covered by the blood of the lamb. And Holy Spirit, we receive your conviction right now. We receive your conviction into righteousness. I can't repent for you, so you're going to have to use your own words. Holy Spirit, <laughs> yeah, we repent. I repent for the things that I've let rule over my heart. The things that I've set my mind on. Other than you. And today, today, I, today I say I, I choose for the peace of Christ to rule my heart. I choose to set my mind. Put your head over your, your hand over your head. I choose to set my mind on the Spirit, where life and peace flow from. I feel the Lord just ministering to hearts right now. There's been, a, there's been a holiness and a purity about tonight, all throughout. All throughout. So we will not rush past him. The Lord wants to minister to your heart. But he won't force himself. So, Lord, we open our hearts. We open our hearts. We receive. We receive you, Prince of Peace. And some of you right now are going through like open heart surgery. But he is the great physician. And I see him healing. I see him restoring. Not just a little bit, but making things new. So thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the ways that you are moving right now. Yeah, I thank you for healing. I thank you for restoration. I thank you that any area of our lives where the enemy has tried to steal from us, 
you are given back a hundredfold. A hundredfold what the enemy has stolen. In Jesus' name. Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, for the way that you love your kids, the way that you love to minister to us, the love, the way that you love to love on us. What a good father you are. What a kind father you are. What a loving father you are. I believe there's people in the room who are, for the first time, hearing the sweet voice of the Father over their lives. For the first time, you're hearing the, the tone of the Father's voice saying over you, I am here. I am with you. I am not, you're not alone. And in the same moment, I see him shutting the mouth of the enemy over your life. Quieting the voice of the accuser over your life. So I just thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, that your voice will be the clearest, the loudest voice in every area of our lives. I thank you that you silence the voice of the enemy over our lives. I thank you for the lies that are being breaking off of people right now in Jesus' name. Lies that your current situation is hopeless. Lies that there's no way out. Father, we hold on to the promise that you are with us. Emmanuel, you are with us. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to have our ministry team come up. If you guys would come up and be here at the front. We want to make our uh, ministry team available to you if you need, need prayer. I believe that there's an impartation of peace tonight over you. So I just bless you in the name of the Father. I bless you to abide in the person of peace.
that this will be your new dwelling place, the new place that you get to operate from where you're unmovable, unshaken. Jesus, be glorified. Be glorified. Be exalted in our lives. In every season of our lives, would you be exalted? Thank you, Father. For more teaching like this, subscribe to this podcast. If you would like more information about Reunion Hawaii Church, our website is reunionhawaii.com. If you're in Honolulu, join us Sundays at 5, live at Kahalama. Aloha.